Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, America. This is Peter Schweitzer. We are filling in for Sean Hannity. I'm here with Eric Eggers. Welcome. We want you to join the conversation with us. You can call in at 1-800-941-7326. That's 1-800-941-SEAN. We'd love to have you join the conversation. Eric Eggers, you're sitting next to me. Uh, Glad you're here, and Merry Christmas. Are you ready for Christmas? Can you say Merry Christmas in Biden's America in 2022? <laughs> yes, Merry Christmas, Peter Schweitzer. Peter and I co-host the Drill Down podcast, that where we drill down on information you won't get anywhere else, and we're excited to bring some of that information to Sean's audience today. Uh, am I excited for Christmas? Peter, I think you've done a podcast with me long enough to know I'm dead inside, okay? So very little gets me excited. I, holiday cheer is for someone else. That's our Eggers family motto. So it's bah humbug is essentially what you're telling America. We're in a couple of minutes on this show and it's already bah humbug. No, I'm excited for Christmas. Of course, I think that's more of a Santa question than anything else, especially if my children are listening. No, but it is, I think it's an interesting point that we raised in our pre-show discussion because the holidays are a time of joy, a time of coming together in a time of optimism, but I think many Americans will have a hard time channeling some of those emotions because, quite honestly, there's things in the news and things in their lives that uh, suggest that maybe things aren't that, aren't that great. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, this is a time of faith as well. I mean, it's Christmas, it's Hanukkah. People are thinking about God, their relationship with God, uh, where their faith resides. Uh, one place where faith is not very strong these days is faith in our government. Uh, and I'm not saying that that's actually a bad thing. I think that's quite good. But people simply aren't trusting our government institutions uh, anymore. Uh, and this is precisely the time that government wants more control of our lives. There's actually a long list of basic failures we could talk about, right? We could talk about crime, for example. I mean, that's a basic function of government. They're supposed to keep us safe. Not doing such a great job of that. Oh, is crime up in places? No, we we are, of course, broadcasting to you live from the free state of Florida. And uh, I was actually talking to somebody in New York not that long ago, and he's asking how the weather was. I was like, well, the weather as opposed to New York and Florida is terrific. 
But the good news, if you live in New York, is the crime is also terrible. Right, so the right. crime is not good in New York, uh, but it is, I think, okay in Florida. But you're right. The government's, I think, failing in, in almost every respect in terms of its basic functions. Like, what's one of the functions of a federal government? It's supposed to ensure national sovereignty. But we now see in the Wall Street Journal today that there's a pandemic-era rule, Title 42. Yeah. It's going to expire Wednesday. And what's going to happen when that expires, Peter? We're going to see a flood. We already have a flood. It's going to be a torrent of people coming across the border. And as you said, I mean, this is, again, a basic function of government. We're not asking them to do something highly complex, highly difficult, something that needs to be fine-tuned. It's secure the border, and they're failing in that area as well. Yeah, to be clear, the border's never been secure. But what Title 42 allowed us to do is expel people back to Mexico quickly because of the name of global health. That may be the one thing of global health that actually might have improved in the country, but that's going to expire, so people will be expelled far less frequently. Um, but that's one role of the federal government. Another one is to you know have a strong defense and protect us from foreign threats. And so that's why when we were forced to reluctantly give back to Russia uh, one of the world's most notorious arms dealers, <laughs> at, at least we got back somebody in return that will help ensure our national security right that would be the wmba correct that super secret government agency <laughs> it should be a government agency <laughs> right i mean there's so many acronyms right yeah. i mean yeah. to be honest as many people are paying attention to the government agencies are paying to the wnba so yeah. i think that that's accurate and then i think the other thing that the government's supposed to do is give hope to the future and that's actually uh where we wanted to end up with because we saw a story in the news that is i think some bad things are coming to schools near you potentially in the start of the new year right and it's like that that sequel like did we really need a fast and furious 12 i don't think so right yeah uh but we got one do yeah. we really need a return to mask mandates but they appear to be coming Yes, that's exactly right. And we're going to be actually talking uh, to a couple of experts at the, on this at 3.30 to talk about COVID, to talk about the new mask mandates, which is a very important subject, needless to say. And the problem here, Eric, is, again, these are basic functions of government, and they failed us at every turn. I ran across this really obscure study as it relates to uh, an announcement, I should say, as it relates to the Federal Reserve and our economy. Again, the economy's not in good shape. We've got high inflation. We've got supply chain issues. This is just another example of how the government has failed us. So this is the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia with a revision of their statistics. This came out December 13th last week. I don't think many people paid attention because we're so used to it. And this is a revision of the employment numbers that they claimed. Just, and it's, it's obscure because they didn't really want anybody to pay attention to it. That would be correct. I mean, just listen to the statement. See how far off our government is in these basic functions. It says, in the aggregate, 10,500 net new jobs were added during this six-month period. Hey, Merry Christmas, 10,000 new September, jobs. Rather than the 1.2 million previously reported so they were off by a factor of a hundred they're off by a factor of a hundred this is the federal reserve and we're supposed to be trusting them with economic policy the list goes on and on and on so this is an enormous problem i think in our country the lack of trust in our government institutions the belief that our government is not doing a good job and at the same time they are demanding more control over our lives. And I think this is something that leads to a further cycle of distrust. No, I think that's an excellent point that you make. The government's never been less trustworthy and at a time when they're attempting to exert the most influence. And I think to me, that's why 
the pending return of mask mandates in some schools. Philadelphia said that for the first two weeks after the new year, they'll have to have mask mandates. New York has recommended that's happened. Uh, Sacramento and other California cities are considering it. But I think the troubling part of it is that, as you noted, like you could excuse it when schools first close and right. the pandemic first happened. We don't know what's happening. We don't know. We're just kind of giving it our best shot. Although you suggest that I think we did have a pandemic playbook and we didn't follow it, possibly in the name of virtue signaling. But to, as far as like, should we trust the government? Listen to just Anthony Fauci go back and forth on how effective mask mandates are. Let's hear, let's hear cut three. Isn't it just theater? No, it's not the vaccine and you're wearing two masks. Isn't that theater? No, that's not. Here we go again with the theater. Let, let, let's get down to the facts. Let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. I am now much more comfortable in, in people seeing me indoors without a mask. I mean, before the CDC made the recommendation change, I didn't want to look like I was giving mixed signals. Now in the United States. People should not be walking around with masks. One mask is good, two masks are better. A year or two or more from now, that during certain seasonal periods, Mm -hmm. when you have respiratory-borne viruses like the flu, people might actually elect to wear masks. One mask is good, two masks are better. That sounds like something from Sesame Street (laughs) in a dystopian hell, Peter. That means Big Bird is in charge of the CDC. (laughs) You you have to wonder, though, how these decisions are being made, because Fauci tells us, I am science, that's what he said, but the science is constantly shifting and changing. And, you know, as you mentioned, if you look at actually the history, the federal government's been studying pandemics. There's actually a plan. The Bush and George W. Bush administration started it. It was revised under Obama and under Trump. In none of those cases did they ever call, for example, for massive lockdowns. So what's interesting about Fauci is you just have this this case where the state attorney generals have sued Fauci. He was put under oath. He testified. They actually asked him, where did the idea for lockdowns come from? Uh, it turns out he sent an aide of his, a guy named Cliff Lane, to China to figure out what was happening. This is in February of 2020. Cliff Lane goes there. According to the testimony, the Chinese authorities actually never let this guy go to Wuhan. He hung out in Beijing with all these Chinese Communist Party officials, and they told him lockdowns are really good. They work great. And so Cliff Lane comes back, tells this to Fauci. This is essentially the origins of the lockdown policy, which, of course, was ultimately led by California. It was an idea that came from the Chinese Communist Party. It had no basis in science or fact. They hadn't studied it. And you have to wonder, with the mask mandates, Fauci was actually asked during this testimony, why did you change your opinion on masks? What study occurred that led you to go from masks are worthless to masks are everything? He said, I can't name a study. No, he couldn't name a study. And I think that's one of the exact issues why people, I think, are right to question these new mandates. I mean, think of it this way, Peter Schweitzer. Uh, you know, we're doing, we're, we're ha- filling in for Sean Handy. We did the exact same thing one year ago. One yeah. year ago, we did the show from New York. Yep. This year, we're able to do it from Florida. But a year ago in, in New York, we had to, um, or if you went to New York, everyone's wearing masks in the street. In order right. to get into certain buildings or any restaurants, you had to show proof of a vaccine. Yeah. And so those things have all just gone away. Yes. And so think about the fact that it, you went from, no, 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 you must do this or you're an irresponsible citizen to six months later, never mind. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. And what I remember about that trip, by the way, there were certain people uh, that will go unnamed uh, when we were supposed to go into the building that said, well, technically, you're supposed to show proof of vaccine, but we'll figure out a way to smuggle you into the Sean Hannity studios. So it was a very different America. And it looks like now we may be going back. You mentioned the Philadelphia school districts are talking about it. You, there are a lot of private companies that are talking about uh, requiring mask mandates. And the question is, look, I'm not a medical doctor. We're going to have a couple of uh, experts on here at, at 3.30 uh, Eastern time to talk about this. Uh, but where's the evidence that masks even work? Yeah, what we do have evidence for, in fact, is that the COVID-era lockdown policies were a dramatic failure, so much so that they not only erased two decades' worth of learning gains from America's children, but academic experts are actually saying that the lockdowns may have permanently derailed a generation's educational and therefore economic arc. That's how devastating the COVID policies were. So when we talk about not wanting to trust government, it's not just hey, I'm skeptical. It's, no, 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 you might be ruining the future of this country. We'll tell you about that study and what's coming up for America's school children and just what's at stake with these mask mandates on the other side of this break. It's Peter Schweizer, Eric Eggers, in for Sean Handy. We'd love to hear from you. Give us a phone call, 800-941-7326. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the juicy. podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. 
This conversation shows a never seen before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the juicy. podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my from this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Didn't the IRS scandal and the NSA atrocities convince you? You need a watchdog on Washington with insider sources. You need Hannity every day. 
Hey, Sean Hannity here for my friends at Lone Star Transfer. Now, you've heard me for a while tell you the timeshares are kind of becoming a thing of the past. Now, unfortunately, many of you are still stuck in one. If you are, you don't have to be. That's where our friends at Lone Star Transfer can help. For well over a decade, they have successfully helped thousands and thousands of owners legally and permanently get out of their timeshare nightmare. They're also the only timeshare disposal company I personally endorse. Now, Lone Star Transfer is simply the best in the business, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They have thousands of five-star testimonials. Their clients actually want you to know that they're the only company you can trust. They guarantee the release of all liability to your timeshare in writing and in a specific time frame. There's never been a better time to get out of that timeshare than now. Call today. You get a free, no obligation consultation, 833-594-0075. That's 833-594-0075. They're on the web at LoneStarTransfer.com. This is Peter Schweitzer and Eric Eggers. We are filling in for Sean Hannity on the Sean Hannity Radio Show. Join the conversation, 1-800-941-7326. Now, Eric, you were talking about the consequences of the shutdowns and the mask mandate, the horrific effects it had on our educational system. And I think this highlights a really, really important point, and that is that there are people making these monumental decisions that never actually feel the impact of their failures. Tell us about what happened in the sphere of education, and particularly who was most affected by these lockdowns. So every three years, uh, the National Center for Education Statistics releases something called the National Assessment of Educational Progress. It's basically called the nation's report card. Right. And I think every three years, they measure academic performance over the previous iteration. And since the 1970s, it's gone up, as you would think. We get better, we get smarter, we get more innovative, the learning gains build on each other, and actually what they call the learning gap, right, or the difference between what white students and wealthy students have done and less wealthy and socioeconomically disadvantaged students have done has been getting closer, right? We're doing a good job as an educational system. Well, the most recent results showed that two decades worth of progress have been eliminated. And if you know any kids, I mean, you ask a kid to do a math problem these days, they might look at you <laughs> like the only math problem they know how to do is one math good, two masks better. <laughs> right. And so I think it's um, – and what they said is that the nine-year-olds who participate in this test are predictive of a student's success in school and their educational trajectories. And so because the low-performing students posted greater score decrease, actually twice as much of a decrease for lower-performing students and minority students as their wealthier white counterparts – then what they're saying is that that actually can predict and suggest that we now have a generation of students whose lives will be impacted by, to your point, policies that were created by people who won't actually be impacted by them. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest about this and blunt about it. The people that were pushing mask mandates, I think, and shutdowns the most were frightened, wealthy suburbanites who could do their job from home. They're basically keyboard commandos, right? They work in corporate offices. They work for consultancies. Uh, and it's not a problem. They're at home with their kids. Uh, what happens to the person uh, that works in the food service industry or works in manufacturing? Uh, they can't do their job from home. So if the schools are shut down and both parents are working, the kids are screwed. The kids are stuck by themselves, uh, and they don't really have great options. So the damage that was done was primarily done to poor and minority students. And the problem is 
these wealthy people in the suburbs in a mad rush, a hyper rush to quote unquote protect themselves, ran over people in the process and did all this damage. Right. We've also done research that suggests that the people that actually make decisions in some of these big city school districts in Philadelphia, New York, are actually the teachers' unions. Yeah. And some of the research that we've done that we've talked about on previous podcasts that you can get at thedrilldown.com uh, suggests that teachers' unions have been transformed. They no longer advocate for things that will help teachers actually educate students or at least no, that's not their priority. Their priority is now political spending. And so to the extent that masks have become this cultural touch point, this thing that suggests the political ideology just by putting it on or taking it off, I don't think it's uh, unfair to question the role that teachers unions have played in some of these decisions that are coming to notice liberal areas like Philadelphia and out in California. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you've got these groups that are advocating these positions. The other thing that's weird to me is this was all about COVID, right? COVID is this nasty disease, this sort of once in a generation disease that we have to get a handle on. And, um, that's why we need the masks. That's why we need the lockdowns. Now we've got these other illnesses and suddenly they're calling for the same prescriptions. He's Peter Schweitzer. He's number one New York Times bestselling author, Peter Schweitzer. He's also mentioned in the Twitter files dump today. I'm Eric Eggers. We're from the drilldownpodcast.com. Coming back, we've got experts who will talk about just how tyrannical and ill-conceived some of the policies have been. Hey, do you want to improve your shooting? Of course you do. Now, you're going to love Mantis X. Now, they have improved my shooting dramatically. It is a must-have for every responsible gun owner. Now, the Mantis X is a high-tech but simple-to-use system used extensively, by the way, by the military, and it improves your shooting quickly and will give you the confidence in your ability to protect what you love. Now, here's how it works. You attach the Mantis X to your firearm. You connect with an app on your smartphone or tablet or Bluetooth. It gives instant feedback on what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong, and how to correct your technique. Now, the Mantis X is like a firearms instructor right in your pocket. And 94% of shooters improve within 20 minutes using Mantis X. And Mantis X is the best way to train at home. No driving to the range, no spending money on range fees and ammo. You're going to save a ton of money and improve your shooting. So start improving today. Just go to MantisX.com. That's M-A-N-T-I-S-X.com. Now that we made some money for our sponsors, let's go back to making the liberals crazy. The Handman is back on the radio right now. Hi, this is Peter Schweitzer and Eric Eggers. We are filling in for Sean Hannity. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah to everyone. You can find our podcast at thedrilldown.com. So people are talking about it coming back again, the mask mandates, maybe even the lockdowns. And fortunately, we have a couple of guests with us today to talk about this very subject. Uh, John Leake is the co-author with Dr. Peter McCullough of The Courage to face COVID-19. John, are you there? Yes, sir. I'm here. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. We also have on the phone Dr. Brian Tyson. He's a physician in California, and he is the author of Overcoming the COVID Darkness. Uh, Dr. Tyson, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you doing? We are doing great. Well, thank you. So I wanted to get your take first, Dr. Tyson. In general, how concerned are you about what is being spread as this sort of tridemic of this respiratory illness, flu, the return of COVID. As a physician, is this something you're particularly concerned about? Uh, currently, no. Uh, we've been seeing a lot of it in the clinic. Uh, our urgent care takes care of about 200 patients a day. 
And uh, it seems to be, you know, spreading fairly quickly, but uh, severity of illness still, still seems to be uh, manageable at this point. John, what's your take on the, the way that the threat of this tridemic seems to be used as an excuse to bring back or leverage these policies that had lost popularity? But it's like if we have a new crisis, then we have a new chance to do the things that we've always wanted to do. But uh, at the end of the day, we, we got stopped from doing it, but now we're back. I, I think that our government, our government agencies and their friends and these international foundations, Dr. McCullough and I call it the biopharmaceutical complex. It bears a strong resemblance and is related to the military-industrial complex. They've become addicted to crises, to emergencies, because as long as the public perceives itself to be in a state of emergency, then these government agencies get to continue with their gravy train of um, pandemic response money and uh, emergency countermeasures. And so I expect we'll just be lurching from one emergency to the next. So, Dr. Tyson, uh, tell me, how do you think decisions are being made uh, at the highest level in government today? Um, you heard what John was talking about, the sort of biomedical industrial complex. I know certainly you've been critical of how the response has happened uh, this is kind of a systematic problem, right? I mean, we have leaders in Washington, they're making decisions based on vested commercial interests in part, maybe in other parts based on bad science. But what's your take on what is driving so much of this bad policy in Washington? Well, I mean, I think part of the problem, number one, is you have people making decisions who aren't taking care of patients. Uh, yeah. That's first and foremost. Um, to this date, I've still, nobody from Washington or even the public health department wants to sit down and have a conversation with me who's been taking care of COVID-19 patients for three years now. Um, we have a, a substantial amount of data. We have a great track record. Um, we've been using uh, effective early treatments from monoclonal antibodies to repurposed drugs, um, and nobody wants to seem to have a conversation. But those who are making the decisions seem to be making it on uh, financial incentives and control issues rather than actual science. And, you know, we've, we've looked at the data, we've seen the data, and we all know that what they did didn't work. So why are we repeating those same steps? Makes no sense. Just for our listeners, Dr. Tyson, when you say the data shows it didn't work, what specifically do you mean? So when you look at lockdowns, you look at masking, you look at all of these issues, there was no... Uh, improvement in outcomes. We actually saw the opposite. More people got um, affected, more people um, still uh, ended up in the hospital, people were still um, you know, spreading the disease uh, despite all of the measures that were, you know, quote, taken. Uh, businesses were shut down, people lost their jobs, people lost their uh, place of business, uh, and, you know, it, it didn't work. It just didn't work. You know, kids in schools uh, fell behind, um, and there was no difference from countries or states that didn't implement these compared to the states who did. Uh, that's Dr. Brian Tyson. He's a physician and author of Overcoming the COVID Darkness. Uh, we're also on with John Leake, who's a co-author with Dr. Peter McCullough of The Courage to Face COVID-19. Uh, John, you use that term, the biomedical industrial complex. Could you explain to us its origins and what can be done, if anything, to counteract it in our current government? 
I think the origins were in the Eisenhower administration, and, and when Eisenhower left office in 61, somewhat paradoxically, given he was uh, a, the, the supreme allied commander twice, he actually warned the American people about how this military-industrial complex, and by that time, the, these biomedical products were becoming part of the mix, that this complex of industry and and public funding, um, a sort of corporatist complex, was actually uh, endangering the constitutionally guaranteed rights of the citizenry. This was Eisenhower's famous farewell address in '61, and we've seen this monster just grow and grow. It really took off in 2005 with the Prep Act, the Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act which granted blanket uh, liability protection to pharmaceutical companies making any kind of so-called uh, pandemic countermeasure. I mean, the, the thing that these guys really have a, sort of erected a religion of are vaccines, new vaccines, but any countermeasure could fall under the, the PrEP Act, and it provides blanket liability. Um, it provides uh, the uh, Department of Health and Human Services with the legal authority to declare an emergency. And once that emergency is declared, then you have tens of billions, if not hundreds of billions, of public funds flowing to the beneficiary of the, this countermeasure uh, concept. Um, so, I mean... When you get that kind of money flowing from public coffers combined with liability protection, combined with the government doing all of, assuming all responsibility for marketing, because remember, these are emergency use authorization products. So it's the government that is doing all the purchasing and marketing. It's too much of a temptation. Hence, we have this constant lurching from, from one emergency to the next even when it's just laughably not an emergency. I mean, the, the so-called monkeypox, just plainly not an emergency, um, but the temptation is there. Well, monkeypox isn't an emergency unless you have monkeypox. But, uh, no, I think that <laughs> it's a good point that you would make. I think the other thing I would say is it's, you know, well, we well, at the Government Accountability Institute... Though, but <laughs> the, 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 the Department of Health and Human Services secretary declared an emergency in August of this year. No, you're, you're absolutely right. We're just having a little bit of fun. But I, th I think your point about the incentive structures is exactly correct. At the Government Accountability Institute, one of the things that we study are incentive structures. And I think that everything you just said about there being no incentive to curtail the program because they have liability protections, they have guaranteed funding sources is correct. But it's not just the biomedical industrial complex. We've done reporting before about because of the pandemic era rules public assistance was given away at an all-time high, and that led to record levels of fraud because the pan the public assistance people were in the business of giving it out, but they weren't in the business of investigating. So it's not just biomedical people. It's governments across the full spectrum of the taxpayer dole that suddenly are more relevant and doing bigger business when you have a public emergency. And one of the things that you know we've studied is show me the next government program to get smaller. Correct. I, I, I concur. And I, Dr. Tyson and his colleague, Dr. George Fareed, they're um, heroic characters in my book with Dr. McCullough. And, you know, everyone's scratching their head why the suppression of FDA-approved drugs that are repurposed for treating COVID. 
And the answer is because it would take the edge off of the emergency. Um, I know this sounds rather diabolical, but the evidence supports the proposition that we don't want to reduce the emergency. We, 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 we want a full-blown perception in the public that kids are locked up, no one can go. I mean, Dr. Tyson gave a speech in, in Washington on, on the, state, uh, the steps of the Supreme Court saying, you know, no one has to die, kids can go back to school. Well, Dr. Tyson was, in effect, reigning on the parade of the biopharmaceutical complex. Yeah, and there are yeah, so many like powerful... Much. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Dr. Tyson. Tell us, from your perspective as a doctor, how you fight this. Yeah, it was, it was, it's bizarre. I mean, you, you know, you, you, you think you come onto something and you start treating people and people start getting better and, and your clinic is immersed with, with patients... Um, and we treated everybody. We've treated now over 20,000 uh, COVID-19 patients, and we only lost four people out of 20,000. Um, Amazing. You'd think, you would think that that would, you know, raise the level of, hey, we can treat this, we can go about our business, and we can get back to life. Um, but as John said, it's, it's very clear that that's not what they want. Um, because if they did, you know, get this. I had the state of California in my office for two years collecting data. But the data that they did not want to have was the treatment data. They, did, they refused to look at the treatment data. They refused to look at the reinfection rate data. They simply wanted the demographics and the comorbidities. That's all they were interested in. Tell me, why? Why is that? And then to add to it, any effort you would have had to spread your actual findings, since the state of California wasn't that interested in it, would have been censored and shut down on the social media platforms you would have used to, to spread it, right? It would have been flagged as disinformation. You might have been labeled Absolutely. as... Everything uh, yeah. that we posted on, every interview that I went on, anything that you know was posted on YouTube with my name on it was yeah. uh, taken off and flagged as misinformation. It's, it's yeah. crazy. It's crazy because you have 20,000 individuals out here who can testify in court that what we did was correct and people people lived and survived. Well, terrific information from both of you, Dr. Tyson. We appreciate the battle that you have fought on the front lines. Uh, I would recommend, encourage people to pick up uh, a copy of his book, Overcoming the COVID Darkness. Uh, and also thank you, John Leak, for joining us. He's the co-author with Dr. Peter McCullough of The Courage to Face COVID-19. Uh, Merry Christmas to both of you, and we appreciate the fight that you're putting up. Thank you, sir. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. We'll actually talk in the five o'clock hour about other ways that big tech and social media specifically have actively shaped information that Americans have access to and that don't have access to it. And it's not just about COVID. There's a litany of stories. And again, Peter Schweitzer, who's the co-host of this program and the co-host of the Drill Down podcast, mentioned today in the Twitter files. I don't know if that's, you take that as like a, a positive or a negative. Oh, or, it was it was quite positive. The, quite positive. You made it. Let's go. <laughs> He's Peter Schweitzer. I'm Eric Eggers. We are filling in for Sean Handy. We'd love to have you join the conversation. Give us a call at 800-941-7326. That's 800-941-SEAN. If you like what you hear, you can hear our podcast at thedrilldown.com. In a sea of government lies, he's the beacon of truth.
This is the Sean Hannity Show. My Pillow finally has their original My Slippers back in stock. Last time you made them the number one selling My Pillow product, and I have a feeling you're going to want to stock up again. The My Slippers now come in a ton of additional sizes and all new colors. Enter the promo code Hannity at mypillow.com. You're going to save 90 bucks a pair. That's only 49.98 per pair. My slippers have an exclusive four-layer design that you won't find in any other slipper. Now, the patented layers make these slippers ultra-comfortable, extremely durable. Now, MyPillow products come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the Sean Hannity Square, save 90 bucks on the original My Slippers. That's only $49.98 a pair. And while you're there, check out other products with deep discounts as well. From pillows to sheets to slippers, they have it all. Just go to MyPillow.com, enter the promo code Hannity, or call 800-919-6090 for this incredible offer. They won't last long. Order now. Hi, this is Peter Schweitzer and Eric Eggers. We are filling in for Sean Hannity on the Sean Hannity Radio Show. You can join the conversation at 1-800-941-7326. You can also find our podcasts at thedrilldown.com. We've been talking about COVID. We've been talking about healthcare issues. And we have a caller. We have Rusty from Bakersfield, California, and he is an aerosol expert. Rusty, thanks for joining us. Hi, how are you doing this morning or this afternoon? We are we are doing great. So tell us, how does aerosol and your concerns about this issue uh, deal with uh, the health challenges we're facing? Well, it, it, it's sort of twofold, you know. We hear from a lot of experts, and everybody tends to lean on the MDs, the medical doctors. But as an occupational professional, somebody who's been out there in the field with biological aerosols, chemical hazards, and the like, respiratory protection is huge. And, you know, I'm, I'm qualified in court to opine on the behavior, fate, and transport of aerosols as it applies to the inhalation of the aerosol in the air. And that's where COVID is and you're in a tight time confined with people. You know, the aerosol, that's the whole six-foot rule. That's the, why they want masking because they believe, you know, the public health professionals that it's an aerosol. Um, so anytime you hear from an expert talking about respiratory protection, let's put take Dr. Fauci, for example. I don't consider him a expert in the behavior, fate, and transport of aerosols, but maybe an exception, because if you recall, what's the first thing that Fauci said about masks? They're not that effective. I agreed with the man. Of course, then when he said two masks are better than one, I agreed with him there, because, hey, three masks are better than two, right? No, that's exactly right, Rusty, we appreciate the phone call. I think that's the, the challenge when you talk about mask mandates returning to a school system near you. Um, I have numerous small children in elementary school, and let me tell you what they're not elite at <laughs> is the scientifically appropriate application of masking to prevent maximum aerosol distribution. You don't think they put them on the way that health professionals tell them to put I mean, them on? Now that we know the cloth masks are no good, so I think that's where the real challenge comes in is like, what are we actually trying to do and why are we trying to do it? And that's the question we'll continue to ask at uh, thedrilldown.com. This is Eric Eggers and Peter Schweitzer in for Sean Handy. Coming up next, we have Congressman Mike Garcia. All right, are you tired of overpaying woke wireless companies? How about this? 
You get talk and text and blazing fast data for just 30 bucks a month. Yep, on the same exact network, the same cell towers, the same 5G network as the big carriers like Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile. And how's that for saying uh, half the price, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year, hallelujah. You can save money, especially in these tough economic times. Look, that's what Pure Talk is all about. It's a U.S.-based customer service team you'll be working with. There is no better service in the industry, and it's a veteran-owned business. It's simple to make the switch. Just dial pound 250 on your cell. Say the keyword, save now. If you do it now, you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Same exact service. Average family saving close to 1000 bucks a year. Some families saving much, much more. Pound 250, keyword, save now from our friends at Pure Talk, and it will only take minutes of your time. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. 